Welcome to Technology for Teaching. I'm Stephanie Schramm, and this is a podcast over important elements of technology integration in education. When I hear the phrase technology and teaching, I think of the many ways that technology has been very helpful to teachers and students. Technology continues to improve, making teaching easier for teachers and challenging students learning in new ways that have never been done before. Here is an overview, reflective response over what concerns I had with technology, my strengths with technology, and what challenges I might face with technology. Growing up with technology that we use today, like Chromebooks, PowerPoints, projectors, I have a good understanding of how to use certain technology. However, there is so much I am not familiar with and do not know how to use. I like technology in the way that students are able to express themselves and their learning. I like using technology for creative purposes, like creating slideshows or videos. Using technology is fun and interesting, but how do you know a child is learning from it or whether the technology is becoming a distraction and hurting the learning process? Have you ever heard of P21 or an ISTE? Me neither. After reading and looking further into it, here is what I learned. The Partnership for 21st Century Learning, P21, gives an outline for educators to use their skills and grow so that they will be prepared for their future. The P21 was designed to use skills that would be useful and successful in this constantly changing world we live in. The International Society for Technology and Education, ISTE, are standards created for an effective education, teaching, and leading in the digital age. The P21 framework allows students a deeper learning that was created with the four C's, collaboration, communication, critical thinking, and creativity. In a classroom, students would learn how to elaborate, refine, analyze, and evaluate their own ideas in order to improve and maximize creative efforts, use a wide range of problem-solving techniques, demonstrate the ability to work effectively with diverse teams, and much more. ISTE framework helps recreate education into innovative learning environments. The standards of the ISTE prepare students and classrooms with digital age learning. The role it plays in the classroom is that educators constantly improve their learning by improving their skills in many different ways. One standard from the ISTE includes inspiring students to participate with great character and responsibility in the digital world. One way this would be done is by creating experiences to make positive, socially responsible contributions and display great behavior online with the goal of building relationships and community. The article called Silicon Valley came to Kansas schools that started a revolution is a really eye-opening article. As I started reading this article, I was a little confused at first about what it was talking about. I had no idea what the summit program was or how it worked. I think it would be hard to switch to a whole new program where it is entirely online. I like being able to interact with others and listen to other people, not much a laptop. The article explained 
both sides of the argument. Education technology programs gives opportunities, but it is not for everyone. It gives teachers more time with students and they can be more like mentors <clears throat> to the students while they learn. Students can be more self-taught. It is cheaper for the schools, saver, saving more money to use on other things and is faster. However, more time on a laptop means less social interaction with other students and the teacher, which puts more stress on the students. I agree that children need to learn about the constantly changing world of technology or they will fall behind. Nonetheless, school is a place children go to make friends and interact with others. If we take this away, how will they learn to communicate with others effectively when they are adults and are out in the real world? Moving on, I think everyone should take a test to find out their learning styles and a personality test to get a better understanding of their needs and goals. Your results might surprise you or they might just be what you thought they were. I agreed with most of my results from the learning style and personality test. For my personality, I was more on the introverted side, more on the intuitive side rather than the observant more feeling than thinking, more judging than prospecting, and more turbulent than assertive. It also said I was a diplomat. For my learning style results, my scores were 30% auditory, 45 visual, and 25 tactile. With your results, you could try to improve these certain qualities to make you a more confident and brighter person. The other part of the test results described me as a diplomat. I like how they described a diplomat and I felt like I fit under that category pretty well. The learning style that worked best for me is visual. I really like having visuals so I can read or see it for myself to understand it better. With auditory learning, I can listen for a while but eventually I get distracted or bored. When I was younger, I used to move around a lot and I had a lot of energy. But now I like to just sit down and learn something with breaks in between my learning. Technology fits into my learning by using PowerPoints, taking notes, making flashcards, or looking up videos that explain the concept. In the classroom, sometimes students don't know their learning style and helping them find it by trying different strategies can save a student from getting bad grades or not having the performance we want them to have in school. After reading this text, I have learned a lot more about technology, teacher's guide to tech. I've learned that to use new technology, it helps when you use it like a student would. Another was that teachers have more power than they realize. Teachers can fundraise or work with businesses to raise money for technology. One important thing that stood out to me was that technology allows more one-on-one -on -one time with students. Letting technology handle the straight-up information, teachers can interact with their student on a whole new level. We can spend more time on discussions, evaluations, and problem solving. We can also get to know our students better and have stronger relationships. I had no idea what the SAMR was and how it helps with educational technology. After reading this text, I know what it is and I can look further into it. This will guide me when I become a teacher and help students excel in technology in many ways and many different levels. 
All of the apps, including Bouncy Balls, Storybird, Weebly, and Go Noodles, sound like great apps. I have never used any of these, but now I know they are out there. I know that other teachers have used these and they work. I need to know more about apps that can be efficient and educational to improve my classroom in the future. After reading a teaching with technology graphic, I noticed how much of a gap there is between what is expected of teachers to know about technology and how much they actually apply to the classroom. I think after teachers find out what technology works for them in their classroom, teachers can explore with it and become more open-minded to try more ways that technology can be used in the classroom. Staying away from apps like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and focusing on apps that track student work, remind student, students of assignments, and post upcoming events will make my life easier and help me get to get a lot more out of technology in an easy and useful way. It gives teachers more time to work with students individually that are that may be struggling or just need some extra guidance. I want to utilize the latest digital and technological technological advances to meet the learning challenges of the 21st century. Being in Generation Z has its perks. We have been filled and surrounded with the technology, internet, and social media. However, with that comes like things like being too addicted to technology. For some people, it may be hard not to use technology all the time, especially in the classroom. I believe that I can be smart with using technology. I have been in a classroom that uses laptops the entire time, but I have also been in a classroom where technology is used along with other things like hands-on learning or social interactions. I can observe what works in a classroom and what does not, which I think is the first step in using technology in the classroom. As an elementary art teacher, I want to be able to incorporate technology into my lessons. I want to be able to use the smart board to show pictures, videos, tutorials. I want to have projects or assignments that use technology so that students can learn how to use technology or be better familiar with it. Educational online videos have helped kids all over the world. Do you think it is better to learn in solitude and sometimes at your own pace? What if it is the first time you are learning the subject? How can, on how can online videos add supplemental value to the classroom setting? I think it is different for every person. For people who are fast learners, they might enjoy working at their own pace and in solitude. For others who need more assistance, might like learning with a group and at a slower pace. If students are learning a new subject for the first time, I believe that the best option is to start out teaching to the whole class and at a good pace where everyone can keep up. Then if you notice that some of the students are excelling more and can work at their own pace, divide the class. Online videos give students a chance to extend and push their learning. It offers resources that are available outside of the classroom that can help them with their classwork. It also allows students to work at their own pace and to work more independently. As a teacher, I can improve my own learning and development by using technology to stay up to date and communicate with students.
and their parents. I can use it to collaborate with others. I can also use it to educate myself so that I can use tools that could be more efficient in the classroom and for the students. What are two educational technologies that could support the needs of your future students? Well, I will tell you. Digital readers and tablets are becoming increasingly popular. They are replacing hard copy textbooks, which are eliminating the problem of hauling them around. They give a more organized and accessible way of holding assignments, projects, or learning tools. One of the pros to the digital reading readers and tablets is that they update each year that end up being a lot cheaper than buying updated books every two years. The tablets are especially resourceful and useful because they can meet the educational needs of all students. They allow the students to personalize or to be personalized for each and every per student so that everyone has the same and equal learning opportunities. Dictation programs are technology tools that assist students who find writing difficult or who are struggling. Common names for this tool can be speech-to-text or voice-to-text. Students can use this educational technology tool to write, using, to write using their voices, rather than typing on a keyboard or writing by hand. This tool can be especially helpful for kids with dysgraphia or dyslexia, as well as other differences with learning or thinking that can make an impact on their writing. Students can write words by speaking them out loud. What's great about this is that kids can also edit and revise their writing all by using their voice. WordQ is one of these apps. How can technology improve education? An article called How Technology Can Improve Education was very informative. There were some ideas that I had heard before and some that I had not. We can find information and re references so fast these days with the internet, and now the internet is becoming available to almost everyone in almost every school. Since information is so quick and easy to find, it, it allows students to get a wide range of information for projects and papers. It also saves a load of time it also saves a load of time. Students can focus more on the information given than searching for where it might be in a book somewhere. I remember carrying around five books everywhere to my classes and now books are online or provided by the teacher. This makes it so much easier on the students. Not to, manage, not to mention ebooks and online material are becoming more popular and more affordable than hardcover books. I have read that ebooks automatically update every year or so and are so much cheaper and easier than getting new hardcover books every two to three years. Technology for formative and summative assessment. Formative assessments are not the most exciting thing to do in an art classroom. For elementary art, formative assessments are required at most schools. One of the best ways to do a formative assessment in the art room is by observation. Watching students create and explore ideas is the best part. As a teacher, you are able to watch them use new techniques they have never used before. 
They are inspired by what they create and learn how their mistakes and understand that it is just part of the learning process. Observation includes looking at students' artwork and seeing if they grasp the concept or assignment. This is informal and quick. This can be kept record of with a checklist or in a notebook. One example using technology in the classroom is interacting with the whiteboard. Students can go to the whiteboard and draw something that they learned or answer a question that is written on the whiteboard. Teachers are able to observe how much the students know and do not know. The second formative assessment allows more fun in the classroom and students are able to communicate with their classmates. It is called Think, Pair, Share. Think, Pair, Share is a great way for students to connect and share their artwork with others. This can be done before an art lesson or after. For example, the teacher asks an art-related question like, what role does this artist have in society? Or describe your artwork to your partner using one art vocabulary word we learned today. Then students could have a chance to talk and share their artwork. In the meantime, you could walk around the room listening and checking for understanding. Students can also use a device such as a tablet or Chromebook to help find answers in the system. Summative assessments in art will always be controversial as to which ones are actually effective and useful. However, summative assessments give us information about student learning and can shape further teaching. One summative assessment I would like to use in my classroom are art portfolios. With art portfolios, you can see how far a student has come and what they need to work on the most. A portfolio contains all of what they have worked on over the course of time, whether that be a month or a year of artwork. Portfolios show teachers activities, exercises, or problems that students have ready to show. Digital portfolios are becoming more popular. Digital portfolios allow teachers to pull them up anytime and are able to share it with parents or other faculty members. Portfolios are a great, great way to assess students and see what they have learned. It can show a range of new skills and knowledge developed over time. The other summative assessment I would, look, I would like to use in the classroom is peer assess, assessment mentor and self-assessment. When peers assess, it gives the opportunity to share information and give feedback to the other peer. We learn from others by observing and applying skills that we learn from each other. With self-assessment, students must reflect on their own work and identify their strengths and weaknesses. Both peer assessment and self-assessment are similar in that we all learning we are all learning from others but it also allows students to develop new ways and ideas on how to better their learning technology can be used in these assessments by researching new ideas to help with their weaknesses or things they need to work on ethical issues and legal issues are not something that is talked about very often but it, it is so important to the safety and privacy of everyone. 
As teachers and other faculty members, it is their job to protect and teach about ethical and legal issues and how to avoid them. It is also the responsibility of the students to inform authority like teachers or administrators if an issue occurs. As teachers are encouraged to teach technology in the classroom, a curriculum over ethics would be a great addition. Children learn about ethics before school even starts and are taught right from wrong, not to cheat, and many more rules. However, technology adds a whole new component. After reading the article, Ethical Issues in Technology, it opened some new ideas I had not heard of or thought about before. One of them being student property. Students conform to norms in the classroom and build on it with new ideas. The article stated that students value learning differently because of their background. I learned that students own their interpretation of academics, spurs, or boosts. As an educator, I can address my students and teach them to respect others and not use another student's ideas because that is unethical and wrong. Another idea or concept I found interesting from the article was the quote, perceptions of individual owner ownership may prompt conflicts over ownership or control right. This would be ethical issue, ethical issues that would not go over well. I would address this issue by teaching to the class that this is either the classroom, school, or community property and I would randomly assign computers so that no one person would have the same technology for a long time. The last idea is the disagreement about technology implementations between teachers and decision makers and how that relates and creates issues with teachers' control habits. There is a conflict between those who claim teachers limit technology while sophomore vendors push for more and newer technology. Teachers form habits and resist new technology because of unfamiliarity and not wanting to change the way they have it. I will address this by pushing myself and other teachers to keep changing and updating to newer technology if it promotes better learning for the students. Before reading articles on digital citizenship, I had no idea what it meant. These articles helped me understand what digital citizenship means and why it is important. It involves protecting privacy, online safety, respecting copyright, and more. Digital citizenship is when a person responsibly uses and accesses technology to engage with their community. Digital citizenship is important because it ensures the safety of students and their protection. It allows students to share information, but also know how to protect their information. One way I would help my students to better understand digital citizenship is to incorporate it into daily lessons. Students would know how to tell right from wrong. They would understand consequences. To protect them and their information, I would teach them to never talk to strangers. I would also teach my students to play fair and choose their friends wisely. Another way I would help my students understand digital citizenship is through resources or a free curriculum. I read that Google provides a free curriculum called Be Internet Awesome. It includes resources for school and home. Digital citizenship is something I would have liked to have learned about 
when I was younger so I could be more aware and knowledgeable about technology. I hope this podcast was helpful to those future teachers out there and those who wanted more knowledge on integrating technology in education. Thank you.